Welcome to the Gospel for Life. We have four Treasure Valley pastors committed to showing that the gospel is not just for that religious part of your life, but rather it's for all of life. You never graduate from the gospel. I'm Josh Bales, pastor of the Well Church, here with Russell Herman, pastor at Cloverdale United Reformed Church, Phil Moran, pastor at Christ Presbyterian Church, and Jonathan Van Hoogen, pastor at Spring United Reformed Church. Now, if you'd like to find out more about us or catch past broadcasts or get information about our annual conference, you can find us at ReformationVoice.com. All righty. Well, in the studio today, we have Pastor Ben Blakey from Compass Bible Church. How you doing, brother? Doing great. Now, where can people find you at? Uh, we meet at Pathways Middle School in Meridian, Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. If they want more info, they can go to compassbible.tv. And you guys are a brand new church plant. Yes. We just we're gearing up for, you know, we've just been here for less than a couple months. Just started on January 13th. Super exciting. And then have Pastor Russ Herman with uh, Cloverdale URC. How you doing, brother? I'm doing well. Yourself? I am well. And then Pastor Phil Moran from Christ Presbyterian. How you doing, brother? Doing great and very happy to be here. Yes. And then please keep um, our other co-host, uh, Pastor Jonathan Van Hoogen, in your prayers. He's undergoing treatment for colon cancer. He and his his lovely wife, Vicki, and their church family, Dayspring, would, would really appreciate it. All right. So we have been collecting questions from some of our listeners and um, – Today we're tackling, you know, the the very easy, simplistic question of the problem of evil, um, and so here's how it is. Come on, that was kind of funny. <laughs> okay, okay, no, no not really. All right. So here is here is the uh, question: If God is good and is in control, why does He allow bad things to happen to good people? Why to some and not to others? I think we just need to rewrite the first part of the question. It's not if God is good and in control. Since God is good and in control. So let's just start with the foundational truth. Go. God is good all the time, and God is in control all the time. Those That is not up for debate or in question from the teaching of Scripture. So yes. what God is does is always what he desires to do. It, he is not limited. He has absolute authority and control, and what he does is always good. Mm. Um, so Amen. given that foundation, then the rest of the question. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's, it's interesting because you guys remember when the tsunami hit Japan a few years ago, there was a MSNBC reporter who had interviewed a so-called evangelical pastor. I won't say his name. Uh, but he basically said, so if if, if God is good, and uh, then he must not be powerful because he couldn't stop the tsunami. But if God is powerful, then he must not be good because he allowed the tsunami to happen. So which one is it? You know, he kind of put the guy on the spot. Is God not good or is God not powerful? That's kind of the, the classic, you know, parameters of the problem of evil. So how do we deal with that? You set me up because I wanted to hear what the guy answered, and you didn't tell me. That. Well, he it was it was Rob Bell. Oh, you weren't going to give the name. No, I, I will. But he he very he spinelessly just said it, it was some like trying to nail Jella to wall. It was a really bad answer because it neither glorified God nor dealt with the real tragedy of of thousands of people dying. It yeah. didn't deal with either one of those things. There's a couple ways I'll try to deal with that question, and it, it kind of depends on what place the person's coming from. If the person asking me this question is coming from 
a more antagonistic or even, you know, atheistic worldview. I'll just try to turn the question on them and just say, how do you even define what's good and what's bad? You know, and just point, you think the problem of evil is a problem for someone with a Christian worldview. Your worldview has no concept at all for this. You have a bigger problem with the problem of evil than I do, basically, right. if it's coming from somebody antagonistic. Right. If it's coming from somebody that seems to be from more of a genuine place, I do something that's, you know, kind of changes gears a little bit. But I'll even just ask him, you know, hey, what, what's your favorite movie or what's your favorite book? And they'll kind of be like, how does this connect? But once I get an answer, I'll just say, does anything go wrong in that book or in, in that story? And just kind of to help them understand all the things we would consider the best stories ever written in humanity, there's evil. There's problems in that. And the author has allowed those problems into the plot for some greater purpose and then try to use that as an illustration to God is writing this story he has allowed things to happen there is a greater purpose does that answer all the questions absolutely not but maybe it helps us give a framework to where we can hopefully have a better understanding of what is going on yeah yeah that's that's good um you, you guys you you youngsters in the room are all too young to remember but there was a very famous book are you are you including russ in this yeah even even russ um <laughs> Well, at least I don't think you, you guys you guys may remember. There was a very famous book written, uh, I don't know, 25, 30 years ago uh, by a Jewish rabbi, uh, Harold Kushner. And it was called I Why this Did... Book. I, and, I remember this. Oh, okay, good. Guys, uh, you're, you're, I'm, I'm not as ancient as I thought. Thank you. No, you are. Uh, was, <laughs> <laughs> anyway, it was called, the book was called Why Do Bad Things Happen to Good People? And uh, it was, you know, it, it was a bestseller, and and it got a lot of discussion in in American uh, culture. Um, it it did not come from a from a biblical perspective. Uh, you know, his answer essentially was that well, God, you know, poor God really can't control these things, and and uh, so, but he's but he's there to help us and to sympathize with us, and that's not an adequate answer from the Bible, either Old Testament or New Testament. But that said, uh, many, many Christians responded to the title of that book by saying it asks the wrong question. Why do bad things happen to good people? The question we should be asking is, why do good things happen to bad people? Because that's the only kind there is. Sin is universal. All have sinned, says Romans 3.23. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So the question we ought to be asking is why is there anything good that comes into our lives when we deserve nothing but God's wrath? That's right. And this really gets into the the bigger topic of common grace, that um, we have a Heavenly Father that sends rain on the just and the unjust. Yes. Um, he's good to all. Um, his goodness extends to all. And so what we consider a good person is really just because of the restraining grace of God that God gives to even non-believers. So any goodness that we see in the world around us is because God has has restrained the evil in their own heart. If God was not doing a work to restrain evil in 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 all of these people's lives, our world would be out of control, our world would be unlivable. Um, because evil would be rampant. And so unbeknownst to most people, 
God is giving good gifts day after day after Amen. day to bad people. Mm-hmm. And so what we happen to do is we, we look at it and say, when these tragedies occur, these bad things, then all of a sudden we get confused and we say, well, that shouldn't have happened. Why is that? And we forget about all of the of uh, what I think Phil is correct and flipping it around. And we never ask the question, why did that person have such a wonderful marriage and a, a good family and have a successful business when they're living outside of what God has de- commanded in his word? Yeah. That question never comes to our lips. I, I right. think I think one of the difficulties also when we address this question is that we define good wrongly. So when the world asks this question about why do bad things happen to good people and why do those bad things happen and why aren't good things happening, we're defining good in a very man-centered way. In other words, we define good as the highest level of human flourishing. That is not how the Bible defines good. It is not. Yes. The the way that the Bible defines good is the greatest display of God and his glory and and his son. That's how the Bible defines good. It just is. Right. And so when bad things do happen, and we talked on the last show about, about babies dying. That, that's, that's hard. That's bad. And we know that there are Christians in other countries whose churches are getting blown up and, and those types of things. Um, in God's mysterious will, God will vindicate himself on the last day and show himself glorious in all of these things. And it will be to the applause of yes. the church yes. forever and ever. There is in there is in the gospel uh, an incident where Jesus dealt with some people that came to him with questions about what they thought was inexplicable evil, and they didn't ask directly why do why do bad things happen to good people, but it was implied. It's in the thirteenth chapter of of Luke, and it says right at the beginning of chapter thirteen, <clears throat> there were some present at that very time who told Jesus about the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mingled with their sacrifices. And we don't know exactly what Luke is talking about here, but apparently Pilate had sent his uh, goon squad in to, uh, some people were murdered in the very act of worship. You know, it's as if some church worshipers on a Sunday morning were, were murdered in, right in the middle of the Lord's Supper. Uh, it says their blood was mingled with their sacrifice. And so they come to Jesus with this, and, and they're outraged by what has happened, obviously. They think it's horrible evil, and they're hoping for an explanation from Jesus. And Jesus, by golly, didn't take the same pastoral counseling class that I had because he, he uh, well, he deals with it in a surprising way. <clears throat> Verse 2, he answered them, Do you think that these Galileans were worse sinners than all the other Galileans because they suffered in this way? I tell you, no, but unless you repent, you will likewise perish. Oh, my. Jesus, you know, Jesus always has a way of, of cutting right to the real issue. Yeah. He's, he's, he senses in their question, and I don't want to... And I don't want to uh, uh, run roughshod over anybody's serious question about about a, a painful event in your life. But I think Jesus apparently sensed in their question a little bit of theological game playing, and Jesus won't play the game. He's going to go right to their hearts, right to their hearts and right to their relationship with God. 
Let's not, we're not going to talk, says Jesus, in abstractions about God. I tell you, unless you repent, you will likewise perish. In other words, Jesus is acting on the, on the assumption that every human being on the planet deserves destruction. Mm-hmm. He's operating on the assumption that every single person is deserving of the wrath of God. Why are you, why are you shocked that these people were, in, were injured when the tower collapsed on them? Mm-hmm. You, you're all under judgment. And unless you repent, you're going to meet a similar end. Wow. Thank but you. implied here is, but if you do repent, yes, you're safe. Amen. I would never lead with this, but R.C. Sproul once asked a question, why do bad things happen to good people? And he says, that only happened once, and he volunteered, <laughs> yes. you know, referring to Christ. Yes. And you know, we've covered the, the basis for that, and that's why I would never lead with that, especially if it was a genuine question. But that's where you get to, we're not good people. Christ was good and he has given his life so that bad people like us can be saved and we do need to repent or we will likewise perish. This is a complete aside, but the guys are used to me just doing complete asides. But when I came out to candidate for the the church that I'm currently pastoring, um, the text that I chose to preach on was Luke 13, 1 1 to 9. So this is the text that I chose and I did so deliberately because I, I wanted them to know as a congregation that my ministry among them was to be continually calling them to repentance. Mm-hmm. And that if that was not the minister that they wanted, I wanted them to know up front, then don't don't call me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Because I, I think the great need inside the church, I think the great need outside the church is, is this call to repentance. Um, a call to flee to to Jesus Christ and find our refuge there and and to be safe there. Um, I think that's the great truth of of Psalm forty six. Um, really implied in that psalm is that there is going to be trouble. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear. The idea is that sometimes God delivers us from the trouble. Sometimes He's with us in the trouble. Um, but He's a good God and knows how to take care of his own. Amen. You've been listening to the Gospel for Life. 